let's just just give a shout to Jesus and just tell him how amazing he is. Come on. Jesus! Yeah. Jesus. Wow. Wow. Jesus, you're so awesome. <laughs> wow. Come on. <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. Let's give the worship team a hand for leading us. Wow. Well, I am, I am so stirred right now. How many of you guys are excited? Because Jesus is here. <laughs> he is here. I am so stoked. I, I am, honestly, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to begin, but uh, a few weeks ago, we were in our, some of our team was in Africa. We were, we were in Ethiopia, and we were doing this, this school that we do every year here in the States called Wildfire School. It's a training school raising up young revivalists and influencers and young builders and worshipers to, to go to their campuses and their cities to, to just really partner with God's heart for revival, for awakening, for transformation. And so we had the opportunity with the church we're partnering with in Ethiopia to go there and to host a school. And um, the Lord just really met us there. I mean, it was, I mean, it was absolutely insane what God did, uh, insane in a beautiful way. And uh, and one thing that uh, the Lord just showed up. He showed up, and as I was just reflecting on just how powerfully the Lord moved, uh, I just heard Him just whisper in my heart. Uh, he said, "Whenever you're yielded, this is what you can expect." And we were so, we were so uh, jet lagged <laughs> and tired. I mean, one, the, the day that, one of the days that like the Holy Spirit just like, we were teaching on purity and holiness and, and, uh, and there was open confession of sin, of sexual immorality and young people who have just been sexually abused have kept it a secret all their lives and, and bound by sh shame and guilt and condemnation was, was getting free. And set free. I mean, it was amazing. But that, come on, praise the Lord. Yeah. And uh, that morning was, we were just so tired that morning. And we're like, God, if, like, we, like, we need coffee and we, and we need a whole lot of Jesus because we don't know what's going to happen today because we're so tired. And it's in our weakness that the Lord just showed up and just, just, he just blew our minds. And so, so I just, that have just really stuck with me. And so, so I just want to be yielded. Uh, I just want to be yielded tonight um, for what God wants to release and what he wants to say. And I just really believe that, I don't know if I'm even going to preach what I have planned. I just want to be yielded. That's okay. <laughs> um, you know, even as I was praying and I was preparing for, uh, for tonight, um, I was at our office in Raleigh this afternoon, and as I was just praying, I, I, this place seems so familiar. It seems like I've been here before. I don't remember being here, but it seems like I've been here before. But I was like, Lord, I know nothing about this church. Uh, my good friend Caleb invited me, and uh, so I was I don't know nothing about the church or the history of the church or anything like that. Um, but uh, the Lord just spoke to me. He says, this, this place is a house of revival. 
I was like, wow, come on. I'm like, I hope these guys like revival because that's what I hear the Lord say. And, uh, and I was talking with, with the pastor here, and he was sharing about revival that happened here years ago. And, and students from Barton was coming here because of the revival that was happening. I was like, yes, it is a house of revival. Come on. And not only that, but when we walked in this place, we can feel just the tangible presence of God. You can tell that something has been stored here right? <laughs> that something has been stored here, that when people walk in, that they encounter God. And I'm sorry if I'd be all over the place tonight. I'm just going to share what I just feel on my heart. But you know, as we were driving here, the Lord was just reminding me of, of Saul, how Saul went into the company of the prophets. He was going after David. He was going after David, trying to kill David. And he sent uh, his messengers to go and find David, and they went to this place where Samuel was leading a prayer meeting. It's a dangerous place to send some people if they don't know Jesus. <laughs> and so Samuel was leading a prayer meeting, and as Samuel is leading this prayer meeting, the spirit of prophecy falls in the room, and he begins to prophesy. And as Saul's messengers begin to walk into the room, they fell under the spirit of prophecy. Why? Because of the presence of God was so tangible in the place that they yielded to the culture of the kingdom of God. Amen. And so, so, so Saul just kept sending messengers and none of them was coming back. <laughs> and so Saul was like, you know, you had to get the job done. You had to go do it yourself. Right. And so Saul goes and as he goes into this place, uh, he falls on his face because of the presence of God and he begins to prophesy. And many other people were confused and they begin to say is, I know Saul as a king. I didn't know he prophesied. <laughs> and many of them begin to say, is Saul one of the prophets? It's something about uh, the culture of the kingdom of God when it invade a space. That when, when people enter in, they encounter Jesus. I heard it said this way, when, when, when the glory comes, you're going to either hit the floor or hit the door. <laughs> and it's a real thing. You're either going to hit the floor and just be all of God, or, there's going, or you're going to hit the door, you're going to run away. And I actually, I, I've seen it. I've seen people run away because they couldn't come into the building because they knew if they walk in, the conviction of the Holy Spirit was going to come. Their idols in their hearts was going to be confronted. Israel, the Israelites, uh, 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 the Philistines, they, they stole the Ark of the Covenant and they took it into the temple of, of Dagon, which was this, this fish god. And they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple beside this, this idol. And the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. Everybody say the art represents the presence of God. The art represents the presence of God. And they put, he, they put this, this ark in the presence of this false idol. And the next day they came back, this false idol, Dagon, was bowed towards the ark. <laughs> And so it was like, I don't know what happened, bad storm last night, I don't know. So they, they, they pick it up, you know, and they leave. And the next morning they come back. This time it's, it fell, and, and this little fish parts broke off 
They're like, okay, this is something's going on here. <laughs> I, I'm here to say that when the culture of the kingdom of God invades spaces, idols bow in the presence of God. Amen. Amen? And I believe as the Lord is just speaking over this house that this is a house of revival. That this is a house where, where, where the culture of the kingdom of God not only is going to, to, to just dwell in this place, but it's going to, to dwell in our hearts. Amen? And I believe there's two expressions. I, I just want to talk about two expressions uh, of revival I feel like the Lord has for this house. And uh, it's, it's for the church in general. But, uh, uh, but I just really feel like there's two things. Uh, we, we preach a lot. I'm going to talk about what it looks like in living in a culture of revival, a lifestyle of revival. Because that's what Jesus did everywhere he went. He released life, right? He was a walking revival. And also there's these divine moments as well that, that happens where, where the Lord comes and, and, and his spirit comes and falls upon the community and an entire community is caught up in revival. And it begins to spread like wildfire. These are the revivals we read about, you know, the Azusa Street Revival. Uh, the uh, Wells Revival. All these revivals, uh, those are revivals where it was people in revival and the, and the Holy Spirit comes and he, he, he marks an entire community. Amen? And I, I just believe, you know, that that is, is both for this house. It's not only just going to be us living in a culture of revival, but it's also going to be like the capital R revival, <laughs> where this place is being filled because of the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. So these are a few things before I go into it. A few things that as I was praying, I feel like the Lord was saying over this house that, that God is releasing faith for the impossible. Faith for the impossible. Whatever you, whatever uh, thing that's been in front of you and you're like, this is too big. I can't do it. God is saying, you're right, you can't, but I can. <laughs> and I'm giving faith. I'm giving you grace. Everybody say grace. Which is God's enabling power to do what only he can do through you. And it comes when we acknowledge that we can't do it without him. <laughs> his grace to do the impossible always come once we acknowledge that we can't do it without him. Matthew 5 and 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who acknowledge that they are nothing without Christ, they can do nothing without Christ. Those, he says, yes, because you acknowledge that, I'm giving you grace to release my kingdom. Amen? Come on. Yeah, so faith to do the impossible. A house of revival, an atmosphere of God's presence. Uh, you know, the Moravians, they cultivated 24-7 prayer and worship. And, they, and, and when people came into their community, they felt the tangible presence of God. They call it a thin place. <laughs> because it was so saturated with the presence of God. This is a thin place. Amen? And I also heard the Lord says that moments are going to become movements. Moments are going to become movements. I believe just even as, as this is a place where there will be divine encounters with God, where a lot of people will have moments with the Lord, but those moments will become movements that's going to shake cities. Come on. And it's going to shake communities. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. And so uh, I'm just going to jump in. God is passionate about revival. Everybody say, God is passionate about revival. Amen. He, he has a desire to awaken the church, to awaken the church for us to come back to our first love. Amen. And to mobilize us to reach the loss. Amen. And so the Lord often brings revival to the church and to the heart when we kind of drift away, when we get caught up in the, the mundane of life and just the regular whatever. You know, God comes and he hit the reset button, right? And, and, we, and like we're setting our focus back on him. And I know there's tons of different definitions of what revival is. Uh, you guys probably heard of your share of, of, of definitions of what revival. But my favorite definition of revival uh, is, is from this guy named Lou Engle. Uh, he rocks when he talks, and he says, revival is God's arrival. <laughs> revival is God's arrival. And when God arrives, he awakens us, he transforms us, and he commissions us. Amen? When God arrives, he comes and he awakens our heart. When we, when we have drifted away, we, we begin, there's a freshness and there's a tenderness. Uh, again, when we're reading the word of God, we're weeping and we're trembling at the word of God again. When we're singing songs, we're not just singing songs, but we're encountering God as we sing. Amen. We're not just singing songs just to sing songs, but we're being transformed by God as we sing to him. Amen. We begin to be awakened, and that leads us into transformation, because as we're singing to God, it is an invitation to be transformed by his presence and by his character and by his nature. Anytime you're singing about the nature of God, it is an invitation to baptism. If you're singing about how good he is, he's saying, yes, I'm good, and I want to take that goodness, the nature and character of who I am, and I want to baptize you in it, and you become good to the world. When we're, when we're singing about his love and his kindness, he's inviting us into partake of his nature and his kindness, right? The Bible says it is the, 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 the kindness and the goodness of God that leads men into repentance. It's his nature and it's his character. And so that means when we begin to take on the culture of the kingdom of God, when we begin to take on the lifestyle of Jesus, as we begin to walk in his nature and his kindness, which is his, his nature, uh, which is his kindness and his love, when men begin to see that, it leads them to repentance. As we display the nature and the character of Jesus, men see that and they say, I want that. I want that. They are attracted to the beauty of Jesus. They are attracted to the nature and the kindness of Jesus. Amen. And so when revival comes, we are reawakened. Our hearts become tender again to the words of God to the spoken words of God, to the prophetic word of God, the written word of God, the songs that we sing. Our hearts become tender. We want a tender heart before the Lord. We want a tender heart before the Lord. When we were in Africa, I was just so blown away of how the people tremble at the word of God. 
whenever the word was preached, whenever the word was, was prayed or whatever, there was, there was an incredible response. I was like, Lord, this is amazing. And one says, yes, they tremble. They tremble at my word. I'm like, God, I want to tremble like that. <laughs> I want to read your word and my heart tremble because of how good you are and how great you are. I want to take your word. I want to hide it in my heart. Hmm. When personal revival comes, our heart is reawakened. Secondly, our heart is, is transformed as we engage with the word of God. That we're no longer reading the word, but the word of God is reading us. The word of God is transforming us. The word of God is, is changing us. The word of God is like a mirror, and it's, we're seeing the reflection of Christ, and, and we look in, in, into, the, into the, the water of the word that washes and cleanses us. We look into it, and we see, we see a, a person, a Nico, a Caroline, a Caleb, that looks more like Jesus. That's what the word of God does. There's a, a f the word of God is, 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 is a fellowship with him. It's fellowship with him. And I just feel there's a grace that he's releasing as we study the word. A grace to fellowship with him through the word. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I just, whoa, I just feel a grace. <laughs> a grace to spend hours and hours and hours in the Word. Yeah. I'm just receiving that for myself right now. If you guys want to just receive it. Wow. Hmm. A cry of, I, I just want to know more of the one I sing about. Whoa, and the one I preach about and talk about and tell people about. I want to know more about him. Shh. Mm. It's going to drive us into the word. Wow. Yes. Whoa. We just received that, Holy Spirit. Wow. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. The word of God, it transforms us into the image of God, the image of Christ. And from that place of being transformed, he, he sends us, he commissions us, where our moments of being with him, our moments of encounter become a lifestyle. That's, that's the ultimate goal as we're crying out for revival and awakening. Revival and awakening isn't just the power of God, isn't just the power demonstration of God through, you know, healings and miracles and signs and wonders. That's a part of it. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people pray for people and get healed, and then you see them in the grocery store, and, and they're, like, cussing out the cashier, you know? <laughs> so revival isn't just the power of God, but it's also the character and the nature of God. It's the lifestyle of living like Jesus. What is the key to sustaining revival is, is living a lifestyle of the character of Jesus. And his community is adopting the culture of the kingdom and said, we're going to live this out together. We're going to keep each other accountable to living out these kingdom cultures together. When uh, John Wesley went to the Moravians 
and they were in revival, a hundred years of unceasing prayer and worship. When John Wesley went to the, uh, to the Moravians where they were living just to check out the place, he was attracted by the character, the, the, the character of Jesus, the lifestyle, the love they had towards each other, how they treated each other, how they honored each other, how they served each other. That's what he was attracted to. And he said, he says, when will, will this Christianity touch the earth? It was a community that was in revival. Yes, yet they, they, they saw the supernatural crashing in. They saw signs, wonders, healings, and miracles. But day to day, they adopted the character of Jesus, and they lived it out. And that's, that's what John Wesley said. This is what needs to touch the earth. It's the character, the nature of Christ that leads men to repentance. Amen? And so, when revival comes, it's God's arrival, and when he arrives, he awakens us, he transforms us, and he commissions us into a lifestyle of living like him. And this happened personally, uh, personally, and this can also happen corporately over a community and over, uh, over a church or a body of believers. And when it happened in that way, it begins to spread like wildfire. Amen. Um, and there's men and women that we read uh, uh, throughout in the Word of God and throughout history who have partnered with the heart of God to see revival and awakening in their generation. One of my favorite stories is, is, is the Wesley brother, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, and George Whitfield. Uh, all of them were, were passionate lovers of Jesus, and they gave themselves to a lifestyle of extreme prayer and fasting and seeking the face of God. They were a small group on a college camp, campus at Oxford University, and they said, we're going to dive deep into the heart of God. And as they dive deep into the heart of God, little did they know, did they know that God was going to shoot them, shoot them out as arrows and use the, these three individuals to change the expression of Christianity in a generation. John Wesley went to lead the, the Methodist movement. He actually says, he, in his writings, he said it was the, the holy club at Oxford University was the beginning of the Methodist movement. <laughs> He began to lead the, the Methodist movement, preaching all over England. And you had George Whitfield, who, who during their awakening here in America, uh, you had Charles Wesley, who wrote uh, thousands of Christian hymns. And in a generation, they changed what Christianity looked like. It was a group of young people who said, I'm go we're going to go hard after the heart of God because we believe God wants to do something in our nation and in our world, and we're going to partner with his heart. Amen? And they gave themselves to it. Uh, uh, the Moravians, the Moravians started by this guy named Count Zinzendorf. Count Zinzendorf was, was uh, a, a teenager in a museum, walking, looking at different pictures, and he saw a picture of the crucifixion of Jesus. And on the bottom of the picture, it says, this is what I have done for you. Now, what will you do for me? And the Spirit of the Lord hit Zinzendorf, and he begins to weep and cry. And there in his heart, he made a commitment, whatever it takes, whatever it looks like, I'm going to fight until I see God's inheritance in the earth. 
Sounds like David, when David says, I will not cause sleep or slumber to come into my eyes until I see a resting place for God in the earth. There was a holy resolve in his heart that he is not going to, to, to rest until he sees God's dreams become a reality in the earth. I am convinced right now that God is looking for people like that to take that charge over their, their cities, to take that charge over their campuses and over their communities. Amen. Uh, one of my favorite stories about the student volunteer missions movement, a young guy named Samuel Mills. And a group of friends, it was five of them, they were praying and they were reading uh, Matthew 24 about the gospel spreading and touching all of the earth. And as they were reading, a storm came and they all began to run and they found a haystack and they all hid under the haystack. And as the thundering and the rain is there and it was for them, it was like, this is a spiritual moment right now, we don't know what's going on, but, but it was like, but we're so convicted by this passage of scripture. We're so convicted that that the end that Christ cannot come until the gospel touch every place. And they asked themselves, they says, Who is saying yes to this? Can we see world evangelization in our generation? Is the question they ask. And one of the students responded, he says, he says, we can if we will. There they were faced with the invitation from heaven. And these five young guys went to start one of the largest sending the American Foreign Missions Board. Uh, one, of, one of them went to, to Burma and served there for 40 years and wrote the first Bible, planted over 100 churches. And this began what was called the Student Volunteer Missions Movement. A guy by the name of Robert Rowder, he picked up the charge and he mobilized 100 people. It's called Mount Hermon 100. 100 young people who said yes to mission. They said world evangelization in our generation. And this began to grow and to grow. And over 20,000 young people went to the nations of the earth. Students from Harvard and Yale the best and the brightest. And they went with their cassocks because they knew they were never going to return back home. A generation that was faced with the mission of God, faced with God's vision for revival and for awakening, face to face with God's heart to see Cities and campuses and nations transformed by his love. And they had a choice. They had a choice to say, I'm going to leave it for someone else to do it. They had a choice to say, you know, that's not for me. But they had a choice to say, this is the heart of God. This is what's burning on his heart. Because I am a friend of God, what burns his heart burns my heart. Whenever the mission, we are face to face with the mission of God, it is Jesus standing in front of us saying, foxes have holes and birds have nests. 
but the Son of God has no place to lay his head. It's a, it's a question of friendship. It's a test of friendship. When we're face to face with the mission of God, it's Jesus saying, I'm looking for a resting place. And I'm asking you to be a part of it. I'm asking you to be a part of it. And I invite the, the worship team can go back, come back up. Um, every generation, every person is faced with the mission of God. God is, he says that Malachi 1.11 says, in every place his name will be made great and there will be a fragrance of worship a pure worship and adoration will arise from every place. That means God has a vision for every place. <laughs> he has a vision for his name to be made great in every place. Is, is Wilson, North Carolina a place? <laughs> is your home a place? Is your work workplace a place? <laughs> Is your campus, your community a place? God has a vision for it. God has a vision. He says, as the water cover the sea, his, the knowledge of who he is, the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth. He has a global vision. He has a global vision. And he really, he doesn't need us to do it. He doesn't need us. But he chooses not to do it without us. He doesn't need us. But he says, I don't want to do it without you. That's how relational God is. That's how relational he is. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, like, he, he's, this is a, a time and a season that we just pursue freedom in our hearts and our lives because he's ready for us to, to run with him. And oftentimes, big picture messages is really hard for, certain, for some people because there's like, I have so much going on, I need, like, I need to be delivered from just life. <laughs> and the Lord says, yes, I want to set you free because I want to put you on mission. <laughs> and I believe there's a, a call tonight uh, just for those who are, who, who are saying, I just have so much junk in my life. And yes, I, I want to... I want to be about God's mission. You know, I, I want to, to be a part of like God's plan to see my city transform and my family transform and my community transform. But there's just so many things in life that just keeps me just focused on myself that, that honestly I, I can't pray or even have time to think about what God wants to do outside of, 
him just fixing me. I believe that's that's a, a a scheme of the enemy to keep us focused on ourselves because as long as we're focused on ourselves, like we're being nothing to no one else. And I believe God wants to to set us free from that. He wants to to come and to breathe life. Even as earlier today, I was saying how I just saw the wind of God just blowing away just the, the residue of shame and guilt and condemnation of just stress. I feel like God wants to release this joy and the joy of the Lord is not circumstantial. The mission of God is not circumstantial. I believe we just want to provide freedom in those areas in our lives. Uh, if that's you, I just want to invite you to stand. Um, we're just going to pray for you. Amen. Amen. We just stretch our hands towards those who are standing. Yeah, I don't know if this is for everyone, but um, I just saw this picture of like a plumb line just falling from heaven. And I just heard the word alignment. And I just feel like the Lord is just speaking over you guys that, that he is setting things in alignment. Things that have been out of order, he's putting it in order. And, uh, and I just see... Uh, um, and I see as just the order of the Lord is coming, I just see wild freedom being birthed in your heart. Wild freedom being birthed in your heart. Yeah. And the Lord is just saying that, that, that he is more passionate about your freedom than you are. He's saying just yield to how he is ministering and healing your heart. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, God, we just release a joy, a joy. Mm. Release a peace that passed all understanding. We release the joy of the Lord that gives strength. Mm. Yeah. And right now, just in your presence, we ask, Lord, that you will just crush every idol. Mm. That you will crush every idol. We just break every, all shame, all guilt, all condemnation. We break off anxiety. Yeah, just fear. We break off fear in Jesus' name. I feel like there's some of you in here is like sometimes it's just hard to be happy because it seems like there's always something looming. Always something looming. The Lord is just breaking that off. Yeah, he's breaking that off. It's like it's difficult to even function sometimes because you're just, you always have this something in the back of your mind that's causing you not to able to, to walk in freedom or whatever. He's breaking that off right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Ya, ya. Hmm. Ya, wow, wow. It's just amazing how Jesus can stand in front of each person in the room. <laughs> I just see him standing in front of each of you. It's just so cool. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's standing in front of you and uh, he has gifts. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Let's just uh, let's just worship over them. Maybe we can sing something over them. Yeah.